Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 171. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? I'm about to uh, let this interview get underway, but I just wanted to give you a fair heads up. Uh, the audio quality is a little scary when we get started. I think they're frying something in the background. Um, I personally think this episode, all the stuff happening in the background, just adds charm to what we're trying to do here at Restaurant Unstoppable. We're talking to real people, uh, living their dreams, showing up every day, working hard, and you can just hear it in the background. There's a lot of energy, a lot of uh, just life happening so fair warning you will hear some hissing in the beginning but it does subside with time and this is a great interview so do enjoy it here it is with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guests Braden and Yasmin Wages are you two feeling unstoppable today or what we are always feeling unstoppable <laughs> yes all right so I'll just give a quick introduction and we'll get to know you a little bit more. Uh, Braden and Yasmin met and discovered their passion for hospitality at Cornell University's School of Hotel and Administration. After graduating, both honed their skills learning from and working with the acclaimed Hillstone Restaurant Group in California and Texas. In 2011, Braden and Yasmin opened Malai Kitchen and uh, it's been magic ever since. Uh, Braden mans the back of house, Yasmin runs the front of house, and under their direction, Malai has garnered no notoriety for its commitment to great hospitality and polished approach to all aspects operations. This is just a huge aerial view of who you guys are and what you're all about, and I can't wait to get your story, but we start every episode off with a success quote or mantra to get that motivational ball rolling. What do you have to share with us today? The one thing that we say all the time to each other, which I think is just... I think it started with from a VW commercial. In the, in the game of life, there are drivers and passengers. Which one are you? Oh, I like it. In the game of life, there are drivers <laughs> and, and, and you, passengers. You have asked that, that question often, like every day. Are you you passenger today or you a driver? Passenger. So I'm assuming you two are drivers. <laughs> we try to be. <laughs> we try both drivers. Awesome. I love it. So uh, that's a great way to get started. And, um, road of life. In the road of life, there are passengers and there are drivers. Which are you today? Uh, and which are you today? We're drivers. Today. Great. That's what sure. I was going to That's yeah. what I wanted to hear. It has to be if you want to be unstoppable. Uh, yes. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> so um, when did you guys know? I mean, you both grew up in the restaurant industry. I mean, when did you know that you were going to make a career out of this? I guess we'll start with ladies. Go for it, Yasmin. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, I grew up in, in the hotel business, so hospitality was just part of my nature. Um, but restaurants, probably uh, the first restaurant I worked in was after my freshman year of college, and I just it, I was I was done. Uh, I loved it. I yeah. thought it was so exciting, and every day was completely different, and it was fast paced. So. So what would you say you loved the most about it? Was it the, the always changing environment that it was fast paced? Like what just made you fall in love? Yeah, it's a, it's a constantly changing environment. It's the challenges that you have to try and solve immediately. You don't have, you can't think about it. You don't have time to see, well, I don't know, I'll get back to you tomorrow. You have to yeah. solve it right there and there. 
trying to turn people's day around if they're having a bad experience, making it a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's great, and I love food. Yeah. I have always loved food. Awesome. My parents will be the first ones to tell you I was a fat kid growing up, um, and it's just it's great to be around good food all the time. Is that why you married a chef? <laughs> <laughs> That is the only one. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> All right, Brandon, it's your turn. What, what was it for you? I mean, what made you just fall in love with this industry? So, yeah, similarly, I, I grew up in uh, a hospitality family. My family business was amusement parks. Mm-hmm. And within that, uh, all my siblings, I'm one of five siblings, we all had our own department in the park. So I mostly worked in the food service, fell in love with that, went to school for it. And my passion just grew. I, you know, I love restaurants. I love serving good food. I love being around food all the time because I'm very hungry all the time. <laughs> it's kind of similar to what she's saying, but I think mine's just I'm hungry, and I, and I just like I like working with people. Great. You know, I like like managing a team, being part of a team, and uh, kind of leading people through that. Well, it's definitely a people business, that's for sure. And I mean, if I could just ask you guys, if there's one like purpose or one reason why you decided to open this restaurant, what would it be? The reason we opened our own restaurant was because we wanted to do it for ourselves. We loved, We knew a long time ago we wanted to work in restaurants, how much fun we had doing it, and that we were talented at what we did. But when you work as hard as, as you do in the restaurant business, we wanted to work hard for ourselves. So Why is it we, so much more satisfying, though, to work for yourself? Well, uh, and I think I think anyone would answer that differently. I think there's some people that would much prefer to work for someone mm-hmm. else. Um, get a paycheck and get a, you know it's it's it is it's it's um, constant you know you oh, always yeah. need to have this much money coming in and it's you, to a certain to a certain extent you can walk out the doors at the end of your shift and not have to think about it yeah um, somehow we like to torture ourselves no we wanted to do it for ourselves because we knew we want to take advantage of our skill set personally. Awesome. I love it. So if you guys can narrow it down to like a couple it factors, habits, characteristics of why you think the two of you are so successful. I don't know if you want to take turns, if you want to do combined it factors with your powers combined, what makes you successful. But what would you say it is if you could just narrow it down to a couple? I think I think there's two two big two big things that are the reason that this has worked. Uh, the first is that we make a really good team. Mm. We have different skill sets uh, that complement each other. We have different weaknesses that we can cover for each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not as clear uh, as you'd assume with me being the chef and her managing the front of house. Our skill sets within that, where she sometimes is a better palate than I do. So she helps me kind of dial in some of my dishes uh, and where I might have a better understanding of certain aspects with uh, maybe the bar or service, fine well, details. And service. Let me ask Yasmin. Yasmin, what would you say Braden's strengths are? I will tell you, Braden's <laughs> strength is that he is a jack of all trades. Yeah. This guy can do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, something's broken in the restaurant, he'll, he can identify problems ahead of time and he, he can almost always fix it. And to, to be, to have that much background knowledge on so many, there's so many moving parts in a restaurant, Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just food, and it's not just service. I mean, you have HVAC units, you have bathrooms that clog, you have equipment that malfunctions, you have POS systems. I mean, there's just so many moving parts. Yeah. But literally, almost always, anything that's broken, you call Brayden, and he'll come over, and he'll, at least, if he can't fix it, he can identify the problem and get someone in to fix it as quickly as possible. And that's like, that's a 
pretty impressive thing to have. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, before, Don't ask about my weaknesses. <laughs> okay, I promise not to. I think you have enough time. Oh, <laughs> so, Brayden, let me ask you: What would you say Yasmin's strengths are? Uh, I'm having fun with this episode because I don't yeah, always get to interview some people at once. I don't know. Yasmin, uh, probably her greatest strength is that she's a beacon of hospitality. That's what that's that's a phrase we use in the restaurant. Beacon of hospitality. It's worth points right now. Be friendly, but she, she, her personality is tremendous and contagious, and it, it helps us lead our team internally. Helps us build regulars. It helps set the example for hospitality for our team. It's it's awesome, and it's the exact opposite of me, so it's what works really well for us. Yeah, and I, I can vouch. I, Yasmin, you just throw off a sense of warmth. Though. That's one thing. I can pick up on it, so I, I hear what he's talking about. Um, but so, so, <laughs> so I have written down, just a, you know, you have Braden, who's a jack-of-all-trades, and he has just such an amazing background knowledge on all these different moving parts and aspects of the restaurant industry. And you, Yasmin, are just a beacon of hospitality. Are there any other it factors that you think are worth mentioning? Maybe some notes that you made before the interview that you want to share with us? Yeah, I think I think the other one, which I think has really defined the direction of our restaurant and what makes our restaurant unique and special, is that we have always believed where there's a will, there's a way. And what that means is since we started this restaurant, we kind of chose the path that seemed like the hardest against the odds. You know, whether that's us opening a Thai Vietnamese restaurant. As you know, neither of us are Thai or Vietnamese. We are... I did scratch my head a little bit when I was doing some... (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't stop us because we're passionate about it and knew that uh, our background knowledge and our commitment to learn more always would help set us apart. And, you know, that's where we started. And then when we define it, you know, right in our menu, we created dishes that would be the hard way and that most no other restaurant could, could replicate because it was so challenging. Mm. And since then, we said, we want to start brewing beer. And so we started brewing beer. We, we didn't know how to brew beer when we decided to figure it out, but we said, we want to do this, so we're going to find a way to get it done. Um, come up, we'll, we'll come up with ideas that we think would make the restaurant better, and it always creates more work for us, and it's always, we have to learn how to make it, how to do it this way, and and we're just like, okay, well, let's do it. If it's going to make the restaurant better, let's find a way to get it done and let's do it. And awesome. that's how we operate. Yeah, if we're commi- we, you know, we, we commit to things and then we find a way to make it happen. Awesome. So I had just wrote down just here, just uh, if there's a will, there's a way. And then I also wrote down, you're always looking to learn. You have a will to learn and a passion to learn, which is so important. As soon as you get stagnant in this, this industry, like people are going to just run right past you. So that's huge. And I also wrote down, you're optimistic. Like you don't know the answer right now, but you're like, whatever, we'll figure it out. And I think that's so powerful too. What do you think about that? No, I, I totally agree. You, you have to be optimistic. This business, yeah, yeah, and you know, and, and we don't look around too much. We mostly focus on what we're doing, uh, which I don't know that ties into optimism as much as just kind of that blind confidence and that that desire to do your own thing and be, and be different and be creative. Yeah, and I also wrote down just from like my research and listening to you talk just now, you seem like you have your niche just nailed down. Like you're you have a unique selling proposition. There's not many of you where you are, so that target market is going to lo- find you and just love you. And, and how much do you think that plays into your success? It plays a tremendous part. We've always believed being different is very important to us. Mm-hmm. However, we we learned very quickly it would take more than just being different. 
uh, and being unique and being special to have a successful restaurant. Mm-hmm. We had to deliver on all the levels, whether it was the service part or consistency with the food or approachability. You know, you can't... You, that alone was not enough, and we learned that very quickly. Awesome. I love it. Give us an example. We've got, we got your it factors of your will, your optimism, your just desire to learn. Uh, take us through a story where this it factor really shone through. You know, the, the one thing that keeps coming back to us is that, we're, that uh, where there's a will, there's a way. And that's really how we've defined the direction of our restaurant, is we're always finding new ways, new cool things to take on. Uh, for sure that makes our harder to operate our restaurant. I think that makes our restaurant that much more exciting for our guests is because we're always finding things that are different, things that nobody else can do, does, or is willing to take on, and then do it ourselves because because we know we can and because we're committed to it. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if you know, Eric, but we get a lot of our inspiration from our travels. Mm. So every year we're committed to going to Southeast Asia every year. Mm-hmm. And we just go to different places, different uh, cities, uh, different places, and we just go and explore. We'll eat ourselves silly. We'll, you know, just just explore. We'll get lost in different cities and see whatever we can find. And almost every time we've gone, we've come back with some... Bring me to one of those stories. Some weird idea. Something we had there that was just so cool. Let's recreate it. Give me an example of how this travel has helped you in your success. Yeah, so so the beer, I think, is a great example. Well, after we were open for a year, our first trip, we went to Hanoi in northern Vietnam. And the one thing they're famous for there is this beer called Beer Hoi. It's a very unique style of beer. You can't get it anywhere. Nobody makes Beer Hoi. No brewery makes a Beer Hoi style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it w- it's just such a, an experience and part of the culture there to have this really cheap beer that's kind of like a... It's kind of like a Pilsner, but mixed with a wheat beer, very aromatic, uh, light body, very refreshing. Anyway, we said... We want to share this with people. Let's find somebody who can make it, who makes it for us, or could make it. And we failed. Nobody could do it. So we said, you know what? We'll just make it ourselves and see and, and see what happens. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll build a tiny little brewery in our tiny little restaurant and serve beer hoy. So uh, we applied for our beer permit, and during that time, we did probably a hundred test batches ah. to get to recreate the perfect beer hoy. And in that. We went from making terrible, undrinkable, <laughs> garbage, oh my God. to so some really delicious beer hoy. So much so that we're like, well, this is fun. You know what? We make beer hoy already, so why don't, why don't we make another style of beer? And so we came up with it because I like IPAs. Our manager, Joel, uh, loves IPAs and came up with the idea of a Thai IPA. So then we said, you know what? If we're making one beer, let's make two. So we started making two. We make two beers. So now we're making three beers. Long story. Because we have three drafts. So we're like, well, if two of our drafts are homebrewed beers, why not just do one more mm-hmm. and all of the drafts can be homebrewed beers? And so all of this started from just having this really cool beer in Vietnam and wanting to share it with people. And now we hit where... We have a full-scale brewery in our restaurant. Making yeah. Food, you know, that, that defines our beverage program in as it, much as anything we did when we opened. And it continues to start to niche later. down like you have, too, because you guys are just continuing to niche down with that. You know, where else can you go and get Asian-inspired beers? A variety of them. So I'm sure that really helps with just your identity. It does. It does. And there's a lot of, you know, either brewers or beer enthusiasts that, they, that you know, look us up and want to come try our, our beers because they know they're unique. 
So the it factor to me that's really shining through in this story that you're sharing to me is that continued just will to learn and to go to extremes to stay fresh and to stay creative and to, to love what you're doing. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And, you know, it's, like I said, it, 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 takes, it takes that kind of uh, stupid confidence to think that you can pull these things off and that you're going you're gonna to keep working at it until you make it good. And because... Just because nobody else does it doesn't mean it can't be done. All right. Well, that was an awesome answer you guys gave me with the story. You brought me right through it and how your desire to learn and travel has really helped you. But now i got to get a failure from you, a time where you just fell hard on your butt. Uh, tell me what you learned through this failure and how you got back up. <laughs> the time we fell hard on our butt was uh, was this restaurant, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's no time. It was more of an era. <laughs> it, was, it, was never end, it felt never-ending at the time. Uh, but the first year that we were open, year and a half, I would argue, um, we lost a ton of money. I mean, we literally hemorrhaged money. We couldn't get we couldn't get our sales up. When we opened, we, just, we weren't as busy as we thought we'd be when we opened. And so when you open a restaurant, you anticipate sales and you anticipate, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, a certain volume and we were, we were just way off of our expectations, and so our business didn't make sense, and we were losing a ton of money. So and what were you doing? Like, how did you keep the doors open? Like, what was it about you or the way you were running things that made you successful today? I think that, I think that the one thing that we did during that time is that we were committed to building the business and building sales. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we really focused more on the top line than the bottom line. Always. And so, uh, and so we just kept... Literally, we just kept spending money, Eric. We mm-hmm. would, you know, we, we cut all of the prices on our food. We made it so it was more, it was a little bit more affordable for people to have. We started, we implemented a happy hour and discounted all of our cocktails um, for a few hours every day. We paid our servers more because we wanted to invest in great servers. Mm-hmm. Open, we had a we had a crew that was just, they were really fantastic. And we understood the value of having great service. Mm-hmm. They weren't making any money off of tips because we weren't busy, and so we chose to supplement their income for them. Because we, because we know, you know, it, if, a good business starts with good people. Yeah. Yes. We wanted, me, although we were losing a ton of money, the solution wasn't to be to downgrade our staff. That wasn't to, you know, uh, you know, Use cheap steal value from the guests. We went the other direction uh, and kind of invested more just to build the volume because volume solves everything, and that mm. comes having you know having spending money in the right places. You know, you know the saying: you have to spend money to make money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we really embrace that. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, what I'm hearing from you, what's really standing out to me is that you know, so many people they always have this vision, this dream where they're going to be super successful out of the gates, and that's always almost never the case. And it's that ability to have that will like you have to just have that will to succeed and just keep showing up every day and to not lower your standards and that you know if you just keep on doing it right time and time again, people will find out, word of mouth will spread, and it, you'll come out the other side. And that's kind of, and you know, not sacrificing the quality of people that you have working for you. All those little things, those gut instincts really sounded like they served you in the long run. Yeah, and we really we really believed in what we were doing. We weren't, we, we went into it with, you know, I mean, we really, we really loved what we had created and we weren't we were never wishy-washy we were never we never the thought never crossed our mind of 
maybe we should change the concept or maybe we should, you know, maybe people aren't ready for this or maybe it's not good. You know, we were really confident that what we were doing was good and it, just, it was going to take time for people to realize that. Absolutely. And there's a quote that's coming to mind. I can't remember who said it, but that quote is, if you believe you can or you can't, you're right. And it sounds like you just believed you could and it shows and it, and it paid off in the long run just to believe. So awesome story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, you've crushed the first half of this interview. We're going to dive into the bombs of knowledge now. It's a speed round. You're just going to blow us away with industry knowledge bombs. Are you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> All right. The first question I have for you yeah. is what is your advice for getting the initial capital to start a restaurant? There's no easy way to do it. You have to be patient and you can't give up. Uh, we were looking for money. We probably started looking for money four years before. Four years before. Mm-hmm. It, took, it took us four years, probably, from the time we wow. said, no, we're. We're confident and capable and knowledgeable enough. We want to start working on a restaurant. Obviously, the first place we're going to work on is the funding part. And we worked on that just nonstop. And we went, we looked, we explored every avenue. We became pretty smart about it. In general, uh, there's some shady ways to get to raise capital out there. It's not worth it. Yeah. It's what not- are those shady ways? Give us some examples. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to be really careful if you're going to go with the investor route. You want to be really careful with who who they are and how you're going to structure that. Mm-hmm. There's um there's some um, what is the predatory lending? There's just there's just a lot of like really there's people out there who are, who say they're willing to give you money. Mm-hmm. You reach out to them. It's if you do X, Y, and Z, and it's just there's just you know. It's, there's it's a crazy. lot of there's a lot of traps on there. Yeah, there's a lot and there's a lot of dishonesty in general. Mm-hmm. The key is to be patient. There's a lot of people out there that are knowledgeable about restaurants, that have the right intentions to invest in a restaurant, and to or you know banks that are willing to to, to uh, loan money to restaurants. There's people out there, but you have to be patient. You have to find the right ones because. Uh, Fortunately, we never we didn't get in, into any long term deals with the bad one, but for sure we were tempted to because we were so anxious and just desperate. so desperate. Yeah, uh, you but know, it, patience paid off. I think it's really important too just to point out. You said it took four years to get the money, so this was just before you even opened. It took four years to find the money, and it kind of reminds me of Thomas Keller's story. Like when he wanted to open the French Laundry, he didn't just get the loans right away. Like he spent, I think, a year of just cooking for potential. Um, investors and just selling his passion, selling his vision, and, and you have to have that determinism to keep showing up, and that's exactly what I'm hearing from you guys. So that's awesome. Uh, the next question I have for you is on the topic of hiring people. I mean, what questions are you asking? It sounds like you I mean you already said it before that you had this incredible team working for you. How did you find that incredible team? Uh, typically, you we we can identify whether somebody's a good fit within seconds because we hire for friendliness and mm-hmm. attitude and just general presence and persona. I think that goes a long way towards enhancing our team. We can train skills. Mm-hmm. We can how, to, how, to, how to serve a table is, is all trainable. Or how to, how to cook a dish is all, all, all that's trainable. Their ability to work as a team, be part of the team, and, and be you know an asset to the people around them 
It's just like finding a friend. How do you find a friend? You don't, but you have to. When you identify them, you have to keep them, uh, make them, make them feel like a friend. And awesome. I think that's that's really important. Great. So the next question I have: Once you find these incredible people that just belong on your team, what do you do to keep them on your team? You take care of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, we treat our employees like they're our partners, not mm-hmm. possessions. Uh, and so you, it's really important to uh, make sure that they understand how much you value them. Make sure that they're treated with respect. Uh, make sure financially that they're where they need to be. But how you treat them is so important. We can't stress that enough. Yeah. And like I said, we shared, we shared our vision on day one before we opened the restaurant and trying to share with every new hire since then about this is our vision. This is where we're going. Be part of that. And it's yeah. not it's not like be a pass. It's not be a passenger. It's not be just present you have to be part of it you have to contribute to that but that's so so huge and it's something i've learned and heard so many times is that people aren't they're not working for you in your restaurant because of a paycheck they can go to any restaurant get the same paycheck what's going to keep the good people on your team are those whys are your visions your purposes for existing and it sounds like you guys are really good at communicating that how do you communicate that our motto our mission statement is Mm. i keep um, and so, and we drive it literally every single day. We drive eye care as a standard of operations for us. Kind of like iPod eye care. <laughs> yeah. but it, and, and what it stands for is integrity, community, uh, aim to impress, respect, and enthusiasm. That's awesome. But, but in general, it's about, the, it's, I think it's more about the theory of caring. And if mm-hmm. we all care, everyone in the building cares, then things just happen the right way. If you have one bad apple, one person that doesn't care one day or just, you know, is just there, it's cancer. cancer. And so, Mm. and we really, we we believe that. We believe that all it takes is for everyone to care. Awesome. Legitimately, and, and that, that goes a long way. It's so true, and I love how you pointed out that if you get one bag, egg, one bad egg in there, they can just bring the whole house down. Uh, it's yeah. so important just to remove that cancer and get it out as fast as possible. Great stuff. So you both went to hospitality school. You, you sound like you're well educated, well read. Are there any resources, books out there that you read that you uh, are using the theories in that book that you'd like to share with us today? Uh, no, there's no one book that I think I mean, we've read a bunch of books. We've we've read them all probably, uh, and I think there's you know you have to have a kind of a, a well balanced knowledge. I think the one thing that I const- that I that I'm into right now that I use for inspiration, which I think is what it's more about, is finding inspiration. Mm-hmm. Is uh, the Lucky Peach magazine? Oh yeah, I look forward to getting that every every time it comes out I think it's quarterly now is it creative inspiration that you're looking for or just it's inspiration everything. to succeed it's, it's everything you know the, the, the reason I like that one is because there's good knowledge there's things I'm not familiar with so I'm learning things plus there's there's uh, stories and articles written by people uh, that I admire or that I can learn from that have gone through situations that I've, I'm going through yeah. mm-hmm. and so uh, I think all of that is really it's relevant it's current uh, anyway, I think that's a and really it, good resource. And it helps you stay on top of what's happening in the industry. And I think a lot of restaurants, they, they open and they have what they're doing, and they, they do what they do, but they don't, they're not constantly changing with time. They're mm. not constantly improving or finding ways to make it better. Or, but Lucky Peach really it inspires you. You'll, you'll read it and you'll have this, you'll, you know, they'll be talking about one ingredient, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're so inspired by that one ingredient. You yeah. want to Day yeah. To incorporate it somehow, even if it's just for special one night, but you just get so 
you get so excited about it. And it's really cool to have something that both teaches you and inspires you and excites you. Awesome. Yeah, I will. I've, I've heard that one a few times. I have to subscribe to it. I, I don't know why I haven't yet, but it sounds like an incredibly inspiring resource. Awesome. So the next question I have for you guys is on the topic of marketing. Um, what's one piece of marketing advice, if you could just give us any piece of marketing advice that has just worked really well for you? Uh, you know, I, marketing, we, we mostly stick our ha- head in the sand when it comes to marketing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think that that's a good thing. You know, I think the most, the, you know, it's cliche, but everyone says the best marketing is word of mouth and, and doing a good job every day. And we really embrace that principle. And uh, I think a lot of marketing is expensive and it doesn't necessarily uh, represent you the way you should be represented. I think the best way to represent you is by doing a good job. By and being so, you. <laughs> be, by being, you know, delivering great experiences. Absolutely. No, no billboard or advertisement or, you know, any any sort of uh, out-of-restaurant activity can really does a great job of capturing what makes your restaurant special. So uh, it's, not the, it's not the most efficient way because it takes a while. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, Eric, it's the most... Um, what's sustainable. Sustainable. Oh, Absolutely. Because the thing with word of mouth is when a friend tells you to go check out this restaurant, you almost go in already thinking it's good because yeah. your buddy said it was so great. You Absolutely. know, So you, you start your experience with a positive note already. And so it's going to, you know, it's just you build a, a lasting relationship with guests when you use word of mouth marketing. Absolutely. And you also use a PR firm. How much do you think that's helped you? Because that's how I found you. That's how I connected. Do you think that helps at all? PR has been, been, been great for us, um, and I, I think the part about PR, for me, I don't know, um, I think it just helps keep you in the conversations, mm-hmm. and so it just reminds people constantly, oh yeah, Malaya Kitchen, yeah. oh yeah, to go to Malaya Kitchen, you know, it's just, it, uh, it helps you not fall off the radar, well, and when, in Dallas in particular, there's restaurants opening all the time, yeah. all the time. That when you're four or five years old, it's so easy to fall off people's radar mm-hmm. and be forgotten. Mm-hmm. That PR just helps it help you stay top of mind. Yeah, you know, I think one thing to point out, you just kind of talked about it quickly when you're talking about like you know things. And I hear, I see you guys getting worried about the background noise, and I just want to yes. say that I love it. Don't worry about it. This is a restaurant podcast, so <laughs> it's, it happens. So let's embrace the restaurant noises. <laughs> so I just wanted to point out that you're constantly staying fresh. When you're always staying fresh, it's a it's a reason for people to not forget about you because you know now they have new beers need to go check out. Now they have you know this. Uh, I saw a video on your. Uh, coconut milk soup I think it was and like you're always leveraging these cool little things to stay fresh I think that's a really valuable lesson to learn from you I I think uh, different from what Yasmin said the reason I I really like having a PR firm uh, is because it helps keep people up to date because we are constantly evolving I Mm -hmm. think our restaurant is so much different than it used to be and so keeping keeping that out there and, and I think even more importantly is because we do things so off the wall, sometimes it takes a certain level of education. And so I like to, I like for people to have some base level of knowledge about that we have Asian beers, for example, mm-hmm. before they come in, because otherwise they'll come in and see Beer Hawaii on the menu, won't know what that is, won't be excited about it, won't order it, and it won't matter to them. Mm-hmm. But if they heard about it in advance with a little bit of an explanation, then we can't just, we don't make our menu a 
an encyclopedia or mm-hmm. if, you know, we can't in that setting so for people who don't know it's a great way to educate them awesome i love it so we got to talk a little bit about technology i mean there's so many tools and systems we can be leveraging today to be more productive to be more efficient to be more profitable um this is my way of kind of putting all those recommendations in one spot for the folks at home listening that want to try try being more systematic and leveraging technology so what technologies are you leveraging whether it's front of house or back of house that you've seen a real return on investment with uh I, I should probably admit that we're not that technical of a business. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think the one thing that's we've gone to recently in the last year that I, that I love is we got uh, a Daymark label printer, which seems kind of lame and boring, but it's amazing uh, because uh, freshness of product, rotation of product, uh, accountability and trackability. I've worked in restaurants forever, and we always work on having good labels, but mm-hmm. people never do it. What was the name of that label? I, I missed it. I want to make sure we it's get a, it. It's called Daymark Label Printer. Awesome. Uh, I think, or Daymark. Anyway, it's it's a it's a touchscreen little computer that prints out labels in seconds. That has all the information about you know uh, shelf life, the name of it, the time it was made, when it goes awesome. bad, and who made it. And that communication and is so important in the kitchen. And so it, it just it adds that trackability to everything, mm-hmm. to all the products in our building. Uh, which I think really enhances our food quality um, and gives me a great peace of mind as, as you know, in charge easy, of the kitchen. It's easy to use. And mm-hmm. You don't think about it. It's just, you don't have to think about it. You just print the labels. Yeah. yeah. So, what about you, Yasmin? Like, I'm curious, front of house, like how do you manage all the things that happens in a front of house with the like meetings and interviews? And like how do you stay on top of that? Are you leveraging any technology to stay more organized or... Is it just that being Can a beam of, beacon of hospitality? <laughs> no, absolutely. What calendar do you use? Uh, I mean, I use my my phone will send reminders to me constantly. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I got a reminder 15 minutes before we had your interview to tell me that we had this interview yeah. um, at 3.30 today. Uh, I mean, I literally, I use that for everything. I, I put reminders of what notes I need to send to the management team at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Uh, but I really bills, taxes. Oh yeah, it's in my phone. That's a great tool. It's super lame, but it's always on me. Yeah, I'm always looking at it. Like you can't miss it. A no. book, uh, you know, like if I had a, a book or a calendar, it would. I wouldn't look at it. No, absolutely. I don't think people utilize their their cell phones enough. I mean, you have that incredible tool right in your pocket. Something as simple as just writing down your appointments and and setting alerts so you're just on top of it can just be so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. So um, I've asked all my questions. I mean, is there like one piece of business advice? If you can go back in time, it's 2011. You're just, actually, let's go back to 2009 because that's, no, it would have been 2007, right? Because it was four years and you can give yourself one piece of business advice when you just made the decision, hey, we're going to open our own restaurant. Like, what would that business advice be? Um, it sounds kind of lame, but um, if we could, if we could go back in time, we would approach the architects and designers in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were opening this, we, you know. You get the money, and then you you find an architect to design your restaurant for you, mm-hmm. and then you have a contractor who will build it. Um, so we chose this design firm that was just terrible. 
uh, legitimately they were just awful and they caused us to spend so much more money than we should have or needed to. More than we had in general. And more than we had mm-hmm. in our for our restaurant that it's just in retrospect we just sit there and we're like, Why what were we thinking? Mm-hmm. And it's because we didn't know honestly, we didn't know any better. But we're um, again I don't know if you know, but we're opening a second location. And we have, it, we learned so much the first time around that we have approached it completely. Obviously, we're using a different firm. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they still come up with this design that's way over your budget, and you have to scale it back. And so we, we learned so much the first time that we are now using this time around to make sure that we can come on, come in with the budget that we have. Um it's about, it's, it's about budget, but it's also about, it's, uh, you know, one thing, we rushed them too much. And so they made a lot of mistakes mm. that cost us a lot of money when it came down to construction or to redo things because they were designed incorrectly or um, because they were rushed. Uh, and, I, and I think that... And learning to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, being involved know, in the process. Being, being very in involved process. in the process. Uh, just constantly staying on top of them and saying... What about this product? What about this product? Doing your own yeah. research. Awesome. We, have, we have a lot of experience in running restaurants. We've been doing that. But we had never built one before. And that really, we learned a lot. We learned a lot. No, that's incredible advice. Thank you for sharing that with us. Really a great point to make right there. So, I mean, is there any question I could have asked you that you think would have added more value to this interview? You ask great questions, first yes. of all. Thank you. <laughs> I that, I mean, I, I know that your audience is looking for how to be, how to be better or how to be successful in this industry. Um, and cut to the chase of it, I would say, you know, one, one question would be, what is the most important trait? I mean, it's hard to say what's the most important thing, but, you know. Right, well, let me ask you, what's the most important trait? Oh, I did not see that coming. <laughs> Uh, being well-rounded. Mm-hmm. How much of your... So essentially just being me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, yeah, I think it, it's a... I kind of wanted to make a point of this earlier. You're, it's Some people say never go into business with your, your, um, you know, your significant other. But it sounds like you two complement each other extremely well. And because you do complement each other, your strengths and weaknesses balance out. You are well-rounded. How much of that do you think does contribute to your success? A lot. A tremendous amount. That... that Neither of us would be able to do it on, on our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious. I, it, sorry. I hate to, sorry to interrupt, but if you had um, done it on your own, if, if it was if you were still married and just one of you were going into the restaurant every day, do you think you'd be where you are today? Not a chance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. She'd be lost without me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. I think you and I both know that's <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And uh, did you want to finish your thought? I interrupted you before. No, no, I. I no. Okay. Great. Well, those are all the questions I have for you. We wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. Who's at one indie restaurant professional or maybe a team like you are that um, you admire and just think would make a great guest on the show as a guest mentor? I think I think one of our one of our mentors is a friend of ours and I think is just a tremendous person, talent, and inspiration just for what he's accomplished and what he's doing. Uh, is a uh, chef named Lalo Palazuelos in Mexico. Oh wow! He's got a restaurant, he's got a restaurant in Mexico City and one in Acapulco. Uh, and we were privileged enough to go and work with him in his restaurant in Acapulco for a couple days uh, and just spend some time with him. 
uh, and he, uh, his first restaurant in Acapulco is based on a fusion of Mexican and Thai food, uh, which is for sure an ambitious undertaking. Uh, he grew up as the son of one of the top caterers in the country. He's written a ton of cookbooks, TV personality. Susanna uh-huh. And so, he, I mean, he's, he's got great life experiences, and he's turned that to being a great restaurateur. And he's just, he's an entertaining guy. Yeah. Great. He's, he's really cool. Awesome. He's very sweet. Super can, down to earth. Can you say his name for me one more time? Lalo, L-A-L-O, Palazuelos. Lalo Palazuelos. Look out, man. I'm coming to Mexico. We're going to get you I think it's Proper Eduardo, think, yeah, which, which it's all, but that's... I'll find it. For there. <laughs> so I'll if you look up Lalo Palazuelos, you'll, you'll awesome. feel... But his first name is... Uh, Eduardo. His first real name is Eduardo. All right. We're going to get him on the show. I can't wait to capture his stories and advice. And let the folks at home know how we can connect with you, maybe your social media feeds, if they want to continue the conversation, ask you some more questions about some of the things you share with us today. Maybe they want to come work for you if they're out in Dallas. How can we connect? Uh, we are ev- everywhere that we need to be as far as social media is concerned. Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all of it is Malai Kitchen. And, and uh, we, we monitor all that ourselves. So you, you'd be speaking to us if you reached out that way. Or via our website, MalaiKitchen.com. There's a there's a email box that you can send us directly in an email. That goes right to us. So, awesome. Uh, and any of those are great, are great tools to reach out to us. Uh, we respond pretty quick. Uh, we'd be happy to hear from anyone that has more questions or has any interest in uh, what, we're doing. Uh, what we're doing. Great. If you go to www. slash Braden and Yasmin Wages, I'll have all the links to everything we discussed today, a summary of today's conversations and links to connect with you folks. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. You were so terrific. Uh, great advice, awesome stories. There's no questioning or in stop. <laughs> thank you so much, Eric. Thank you. Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Braden and Yasmin, you guys rock. You are such a great couple. Uh, so grateful to have you both on the show. We learned so much from you today. Just so much, or so much about just determinism and having that vision and sticking to your vision and just capitalizing on passion um and just all these things are so important i mean we can learn so much from you four years it took to gather the funds and then when you opened when your dream restaurant came true it didn't like just take off for you it took another few years for uh traction to really take hold and i think we can just learn so much from that like unless you're willing to put that much of yourself into your restaurant unless it's that important to you that you will put four years of just trying to raise the capital or another couple of years just trying to get momentum. And, uh, I mean, you need that to be successful. And I think you're just a great shining example of that. And also, uh, you, you have this incredible, unique selling proposition. Um, you are in an area, I think it's Dallas, where... You just stand out. There's nobody doing what you do. And over time, your niche market, the people who resonate with who you are and what you stand for and share the same passions, uh, you know, those Southeastern Asia, uh, just love for food, uh, they found you and now you can do what you love. I think that's another thing that's worth mentioning is 
Uh, you just you tie your passion into what you do, your passion for Southeast Asian cuisine. And I think that's just so important that uh, you're able to have this passion. And you have each other, which is huge, too. That just drives you. And such a great episode. You guys were awesome. If you enjoyed this episode, just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash Braden and Yasmin Wages. I'll have the links to everything we talked about right there in the show notes and a summary of the conversation and uh, links to connect with these two great folks. And like always, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. And I'm always open to suggestions, so shoot me a message. And if you're loving these episodes and you don't want to miss a single thing, head over to my website, restaurantunstoppable.com, and subscribe to my email list. I'll send you a summary of all the episodes every week, uh, who we spoke to, the books I recommended, the products and tools they're leveraging to be more efficient, more effective, more productive, uh, all done for you just subscribe and you won't miss a single thing a single tool a single book a single piece of advice it's all there all the work's done for you all right guys that is all i have today thank you so much for joining us you are awesome our guests were awesome until next time peace out